Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Once upon a time... Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky, How Sondheim and Lapine Went into the Woods, with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Jack O'Brien, who was the artistic director of the Old Globe Theater in San Diego, where Into the Woods was produced before Broadway. Jack O'Brien has won three Tony Awards for his work directing Tom Stoppard's The Coast of Utopia, William Shakespeare's Henry IV, and the long-running musical hit Hairspray. His six other Tony nominations for directing a wide-ranging group of plays and musicals give just a hint at the versatility he's displayed across 65 years of directing on Broadway, as well as for opera and television, not to mention his 26 years as artistic director of the Old Globe. He has written two must-read memoirs, Jack Be Nimble, The Accidental Education of an Unintentional Director, and Jack in the Box, or How to Goddamn Direct. Um, It's funny, I realized in the email that I wrote you, I said that I'd seen a reading of Catch Me If You Can, and I'm thinking back, it wasn't a reading, it was an elaborately staged workshop uh with choreography and set pieces and uh really i can't remember where that was was. uh the 42nd street uh studios it was like christian borrell and nathan doing it uh of course i saw it on broadway i was a big fan of that production but i've been thinking about the difference between readings and workshops as i've been trying to piece together this history of into the woods because it's all pre-internet and there's very little record of what happened before it got to the old globe um and so uh, I talked to James Lapine and I've been to his archives at Yale and as many of the actors from workshops I can round up, but it's some decades ago. People don't remember that many details of a reading they did in the 80s, you know? No, they don't. <laughs> but I've heard that you have a memory like a steel trap and- uh, Probably true. I'm thrilled, thrilled for it. So I'd love to know, um, when did you first even become aware that the- Follow up to Sunday in the Park with George would be this fairy tale musical. I remember, um, which is very often the case in those years. I've always been very close with uh, Andre Bishop at Lincoln Center mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, and um, he was constantly doing 
particularly when James was involved. He was constantly lending a hand, a generous hand there to develop anything. And I remember talking to him and he said, you know, that it was quite far along and that that he loved it. He thought it had wonderful stuff about it. Now, I, I'm trying to put this with my steel trap memory. Um, I have a I have a phenomenal memory for what people were wearing and what they said. What I never know, I don't have a rear view mirror. So I never know what year anything happened. I never do. Um, it all seemed to be too recently. <laughs> well, it's all relative. True, of course. Um, anyway. Um, so it was Playwrights Horizons was where Andre was then, right? And it was, um, uh, I I know that uh, Into the Woods opened at the Old Globe at the end of 86 and that there was an, a workshop at Playwrights in June of 80, May and June of 86. And I think a reading at Playwrights in 85, which there's very little detail about. Were you there for any of that no, or just no, hearing about no, it from Andre? Had nothing to do with any of it. And the interesting thing is, and I've 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 spoken of this elsewhere. Um, when because of my connection with Andre, and and my, um, I mean Andre moved to Lincoln Center, as I was doing two Shakespearean actors there, mm-hmm. and Greg Mosher was still in the driving seat mm-hmm. there, and Greg was one of the best producers I have ever encountered. He was, I mean, whatever else you want to think or hear or say, and I think it's a myriad uh, list of responses and reactions. I have nothing but wonderful things to say about Greg. He was with me every step of the way. He supported me. Um, I just thought he was fabulous, a, a wonderful producer. But Andre was moving in, and Andre and I were very close. And there was part of me that was sort of upset that Andre wasn't producing two Shakespearean actors. Mm. So we were, there was a lot of backing and forthing at that point. Mm. And I'm not sure that the initial um, suggestion of the globe must have come from Andre. Um, And as I've said many times, the minute that was announced at the globe, the entire regional industry shifted. Interesting. Yes. The next day, we got a phone call in asking for tickets from Australia. Wow. Suddenly, overnight, because of a Sondheim musical, the entire terrain, the map of regional development changed. I remember doing an interview where they said, aren't you afraid you're going to be a tryout house? And I said, my regional playwright is William Shakespeare. I'm fairly secure. (laughs) We did three Shakespeare's every year. Uh, So there was no loss of innocence. And there was no threat that we were just going to do nothing but musicals, um, which is actually something when, when, when the La Jolla Playhouse was reinstituted and Des came there, their first several years were wildly eclectic and experimental. But eventually, 
they started doing the kind of program we were doing. And ultimately, they have become a kind of tryout house, much more than the globe has yeah. over the years. Um, but it was we were suddenly in a different ballgame. And so as far as the distinction between um, becoming a tryout house, I think you're talking in terms of artistic programming and, um, you know, uh, so something, I guess, like a new, the new Sondheim musical, especially on the heels of them willing, winning the Pulitzer, probably was in the sweet spot, best of both worlds, because there's so much commercial interest, and yet it's as stimulating an artistic endeavor as you would probably want. Exactly right. I mean, has there ever been anybody who's, who actually became a colossus bestriding two worlds like Steve did? Because he really, with I guess with the exception of Funny Thing, which was blatantly commercial, n- n- really none of the rest of them qualified. Yeah. And we're talking about Sweeney Todd and we're talking about Sunday in the park. And, you know, I mean, one has never known where to categorize him, actually. Yeah. Um, so we were thrilled and we were aware that suddenly we had to come up with the goods. Um, Tony Strages, I'll never forget, came out. He's the, he was the designer at that point, And he was fastidious in terms of um, the rendering of his his designs. And it, there were thousands of painted branches. And they were sometimes off, in reality, a quarter inch. And he went bonkers and threw them out and we and then went back and repainted everything himself. I mean, he was that, he had that kind of OCD um, propensity. Um, and it was very hard on my staff, believe me. Um, but we we stood up to the challenge, and then and then then there was the the first perf preview, and I'm in the back sitting next to Steve. Now Steve and I became very close over the subsequent years. We were neighbors here in New Milford, and he was in Roxbury, and um, because. His one of his closest friends, Peter Worcester, um, who was also an architect, was the architect of my home that I built up here, which I've subsequently sold to Ethan Hawke and his family. Um, it was a was a gorgeous house that I called Imaginary Farms. Mm. I actually was building it when I was doing Imaginary Friends in New York, and we called it Imaginary Farms, and it was magnificent. And for like twelve years, I did Thanksgiving and Christmas for that whole crowd. And the the night that Steve died, he was Thanksgiving evening, and we were at Marsha Mason's because I'm in a new house here now, and I didn't think I could possibly pull it off. So we went to Marsha's instead. I sat on his right for four hours. He was loquacious, funny, naughty, hilarious, revelatory, kind. Nine o'clock, he and Jeff got up and left the table, and at one o'clock, he was dead. And, you know, so this year, we're all going off by ourselves. Nobody wants to be together this year, which we all, how could we? Um, But um, I had a very close relationship with him over the years. 
but we weren't that close initially. So we're sitting in the back of the theater, the Globe, and he turns to me and he says, well, are you going to give a speech? And I said, excuse me? And he said, are you going to give a speech? <laughs> you know, they're all nervous. And this is the first, no one's seeing this. We may have to stop. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, okay. And I got up and ran down the aisle and got up and got my usual applause. And, and uh, I mean, they were used to me doing this. I did it about seven minutes and I got about four good laughs and, <laughs> and came back and said, and he said, I'm writing you into the show tomorrow. <laughs> now, actually, I don't recall how, re how complete the narrator was at that point. Yeah. I can't remember if he... If he started the show, I don't think he did. I think it was bump. I wish, and I that wasn't him. So maybe maybe my DNA is waddled its way in there. Who knows? <laughs> um, now going back to the commercial issue, it's interesting because Into the Woods has become, especially over the um, the years, partly due to that American Playhouse broadcast that was so. Um, Kind of like a gateway drug to musical theater for the younger generations. Um, it was there any sense with the subject matter in that developmental moment? This had a commercial potential beyond the more eclectic kind of arty Sondheim intellectual vibe. I don't think we thought so. I mean, <clears throat> that wasn't the appeal. No. Um, and as a result, you know, I remember I picked Steve up at the airport. Uh, we were in rehearsal by the time he finally came out. And he said, how do you think it's going? And I said, I, I just think it's too many stories. Mm. And he said, well, that's the point. That's what we were trying to do. No, no, we're going to do that. And I thought, well, shut up, Jack. <laughs> um, but um, it, it didn't feel intrinsically commercial. Mm. But, but you see, over the years, it's been clear that Steve has been way ahead of the curve. I mean, the fashionable thing to say when you saw the original production of Sunday in the Park is, I love the first act, but you didn't need the second. Yeah. Whereas now, the second act to me is the more profoundly moving of the two acts. Mm. We've sort of grown up um, under his strict tutelage of paying attention and and leading with a very complicated set of rules that he seemed to define. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was invited, David Rockwell, who's a very close friend of mine, invited me to the final dress of this produ last production of Into the Woods. And um, it was the same afternoon of Bernie Gersten's um, memorial at Lincoln Center. And so I was almost late as I rushed into the St. James to sit next to David behind the cameras, which were doing the, the thing. And I, I was totally unprepared. And it was a rock concert. I mean, mm -hmm. I have never experienced a total conversion <laughs> from esoterica to circus maximus i mean it was yeah. unbelievable every number got screams of applause and you thought you and also may i say i think it's in many ways the best i've ever seen it be i mean i, I even i who i think have seen every incarnation from our initial one on down the years 
was not prepared for the unmitigated joy and the relish of comfort that that audience experienced. Well, so going back to the the transfer the transformation of the show, the development from from the Old Globe to the version uh, that opened on Broadway and became base, you know, basically the published show. Um, I know that one of the changes that was sort of most uh, significant, other than just clarifying and everything, was the increased focus on the role of the witch. And there's been some kind of conflicting things I've heard. Some basically saying that it was built up for Bernadette Peters because the audience came to see her and wanted to see more of her, which obviously had not been a problem at the Old Globe. And others saying that, no, that dramaturgically at the Old Globe, it felt like there were holes where the witch's story needed to come out more. I think that's true. Also, she was, what was that actress's name? Helen Foley. Helen Foley, yeah. She was... I mean, she she started with that rap number. Yeah. You know, um, that was her first number. And she didn't have all that much to do. And she really wasn't very well developed. But also, it, it didn't, Ellen didn't really land. She mm. really didn't land. She was She was good. She was very good. But there was something jagged and, um, almost appliqued about that aspect of the character and the music. Um, I, in my heart, of course they expanded it first. You know, why? why of course they would. They'd have to. First of all, Ellen didn't have that kind of voice. Mm. Um, and, and also the, the shift from ugly to beautiful, um, she, that didn't happen. In the original. I mean, as yeah. I remember, it didn't. I do remember the, the longing for the daughter and all that. I mean, that was there. But um, no, um, Bernadette brought this sort of historical perspective of Steve into the room. Mm. As, so however experimental, however jazzy, hot, interesting, vulgar, the initial sketch was, it quickly was transmogrified into something much more suitable for a diva than Ellen's role. For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic and as I told them, I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. 
crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giants in the sky 50 and use code giants in the sky 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code giants in the sky 50 at factormeals.com slash giants in the sky 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Would that have been one of your main uh, notes on the Old Globe production? Or, or what, what kind of things were, were the holes that needed to be filled? Well, after Steve and we were driving from the airport and he said, no, that's what we're doing. I, sh- I shut up. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, not that they didn't ask me or I mean, that we were very, very amicable and, and, and happy together. It was a very joyous and, and very exciting time for us all. But um, Steve and James, they had the stick in their hands. They knew what they were doing. Um, There was no confusion. There was never a lack of of where this can go. Um, Where it would go was up to uh, experimentation. And um, it kept getting better and better it kept getting clearer and clearer Mm. um i remember but this was must have been in new york attending one of the rehearsals when chip and joanna got it takes two for the reading it for the first time um so much fun to see their faces and and all of us as steve's at the piano playing it I'll never forget that. Um, but they, you know, they they were relentless. They 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 were, even though it was charming and funny and all the rest of it, that was never what they wanted to do. They really wanted to push the limits. And the tougher it was, you know, I I used to feel early in in my relationship, my friendship with with Steve, that the driving force was perversity. Hmm. He liked a challenge that you shouldn't be able to do <laughs> that. Um, well, I think it also goes back to his inherent love of puzzles mm. um, um, and, and the kind of gentle intellectual arrogance he just exhibited by breathing in the same room that you were. He was so unbelievably smart and so attuned to what was available it's that that's I love that gentle intellectual arrogance. It, it's such a wonderful description of that. Um, and, and and that's so present in Into the Woods because there are so many times where the the sort of genius of it just slips, goes down. You don't even know you're swallowing it. It's just so uh, seamlessly um, digestible. Um, some of those lyrics that really land, even though they're coming at you so fast. Uh, 
Uh, so I love that. Thank you. Um, I'm curious also in terms of the, um, was this the first time for you as artistic director of the Old Globe where you had to deal with, you know, commercial producers, what do you call it, enhancement money? Because that was sort of a new concept at the time. Am, am I right? Yeah, it was. And, and um, you know, the, the, the going rate basically at that time in the late 80s, early 90s was a million dollars. Basically, if you were doing if you were doing a, a development for a commercial network, they they the the going rate was about a million dollars difference between what you could budget and what they needed. Uh, now I think it's what eight times that now. now. But um, we had we had to do some soul searching. We really did. We had to. We had to suddenly say. Can we withstand this? And can we? And and the board, of course, the board loved it. I mean, they loved it. I mean, I've got this a new book out that just came out Tuesday, called um, "Jack in the Box or How to Goddamn Direct," and <laughs> it this it speaks of another moment when we were uh, we were developing the remounting of Carnival, and I had in my, almost in my grasp, this young company who had come through San Diego and we'd all gone out for drinks together with my halting French called Cirque du Soleil. And I was gonna do that production with them. And we were literally announced and ready to go when Michael Stewart's sister pulled the plug. And it's, you, you should get the book because it's so much fun. Oh, but, but on the day um, that that happened, a script hit my desk from Steve called Getting Away with Murder, mm. which was, I think, if you'll notice in all the literature that said of all the shows he's done, they never mentioned that plan. Yeah. yeah. But I was a big, it was a huge success in San Diego because it got me out of a complete jam. I mean, the board had Steve Sondheim there mm. you know, at the opening night party. So they were happy as clams. It, it, they did really well. Anyway. I, I remember when that was going on. That was like 95 or something, maybe? Something like that, yeah. Christine Ebersole, was that right? No. Well, in New York, yeah. Oh, oh, it was a different cast. It was Becky Baker. Oh, wow. Globe, yeah. That's a different take. Interesting. Totally, totally. Fascinating. Um, my first experience with Christine who is the quintessential essence of a star. Mm. She just exudes it. I mean, she's utterly divine and I'm mad for her. And I'm amazed that she hasn't become, she's never had the right vehicle mm. along the line. I mean, I think at one point they were so hopeful that um, Paper Moon, which they did for her, was yeah. going to deliver her and it didn't. Mm. Um, but she, boy, she's something else. Yeah, yeah. Love I'm curious it. also, uh, when the shoe was on the other foot, so to speak, like when you were directing Hairspray at, at Seattle Rep, is that where, where you guys- No, were? no, we were at Fifth, the Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue, excuse me. Um, how, how do you, what do you bring having been the artistic director welcoming the, uh, pre-Broadway production. What, what, what do you take of that with you when you're in the other role? 
Um, what an interesting question. Um, I was, look, I, I wore that mantle for 25 years. Yeah. And it really delivered me professionally to the degree that, which is what this book is about, basically, mm-hmm. is because I found myself after 25 years of running a regional theater, I had directed everything. And, you know, directors don't get to do that. Mm. So I don't know anybody who's had a wider range of of properties as I've had, including television and opera. Yeah. Um, it's sort of it's sort of surreal, actually. You think, are you any good at all? I mean, how can you do all these things? <laughs> um, so I I I subsumed. I guess my own aesthetic and just wore it wherever I went. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was never really aware of being a guest mm. because having run a theater, I knew only too well what was behind there and how difficult and how much pressure and how much strain on department heads. So I, I, I think a, that was the big difference is that I was not, I still think of myself as a regional director. Mm. Even now, I do. I mean, but you you had some major credits even before you went to the Old Globe. I know, I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I don't understand me at all. That's <laughs> <laughs> fascinating. Uh, well, I'm very excited to read the book. Um, oh, you'll have a good time. I'm very, very excited for it. Is there is there anything else that you remember specifically about Into the Woods um, in making that that uh, crossover from the Old Globe? Um, no, I, but you know, now that you mention it, when I think back on it, my memories, my connection is Steve, not James. James was directing, of course. Yeah. Um, and we're we're very good friends. Um, uh, uh, we care a great deal about each other, and and we communicate quite often. But at that point, uh, I don't remember much about his work or his his presence. And I'm not sure if it's because he's so modest, because you must realize he is. Mm. I mean. He accomplished last week something I would not ever have imagined, which is the greatest tribute to Steve possible in this memorial Mm. um, afternoon that he produced. That was the single most extraordinary event of its kind I've ever attended. Wow. It was impeccable. And it was deeply moving and hilariously funny and, and just a real appropriate tribute to the, to, to Steve. But he's very, very quiet and very modest. And Steve isn't, mm. wasn't. So I'm not sure that the my experience was not being galvanized by the Herculean energy field that Steve always generated when he walked into a room. Wow. Well, that that is an uh, incredible... Um evocation also um so thank you for that too jack um stuff just falls out of me i don't know what to say (laughs) 
as I said, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> well, I'll I'll read the book and and I'll look forward to the next one too because obviously <laughs> there's more falling out. <laughs> I think so. What a pleasure! I loved it and enjoyed this. If you if you if you want more, if you need more clarification or something, I I don't have. Nothing, I'm not holding anything back, clearly. I appreciate that. Well, okay, so there's something that I might edit around because this is really yeah, like sure. a, a kind of fluff piece, you know, if you will. I mean, there's nothing in this. No, I understand. Piece. I understand. But I, but I have had some um, feedback from some of the actors from various points. Uh, uh, and, and Lapine talked about this a lot in his book about Sunday in the Park with George. But uh, certainly in the Into the Woods process, it still seems like there was maybe a lack of bedside manner, at least with, in some of his collaborations with the actors, some of them. And uh, I'm curious. In James. You mean James? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did I say Steve? Yeah. No, no, no. no you didn't. I didn't know. Oh, you didn't. Yeah. Sorry. With James. Um, and I'm curious uh, if that was uh, something that as uh, artistic director you had to run interference on or were aware of in any way? No, I wasn't. I wasn't aware of it. Uh, although I was very close to both Chip and, and Joanna. Yeah. Um, Joanna and I have become very close. Yeah. Um, but don't forget, um, James's style as a director is as a writer. Mm. He is, he is, he comes through the writer's door, not mm. the director's door. Mm. And so I think over the years, he has figured it out. But um, as, as you know, you'll see this in the, in the book too, the, 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 the toughest person I've ever worked with in terms of understanding an actor's process is, is Stoppard, mm. who, who doesn't get, who just can destroy them without ever thinking that he is destroying them mm. over something like a final consonant. Wow. Oh, yes. So the writers hear a different music. The directors who come as, as actors' directors, which I would include myself, are there to basically care for, um, cosset, protect and embolden the actor's art by interpreting for them a second or third wave of understanding of the writer's intention. The writer only wants the words understood. And I think that that is where that's, that's James's access to the process, which over the years, now that he's done a great deal of it, has evolved. I bet anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, the odd thing is directors that never see another director work. Mm. Not true of any other artist in the theater. <laughs> but uh, but the directors basically, and so, some some much I think too often are are superstitious and and hung up on mojo and all sorts of stupid. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I don't believe it. I never did. I an artistic believe. director would be the exception to that rule then. Should be. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that you that you have been. Um, uh, well, thank you for that too then, Jack. Uh, it is really great to talk to you and uh, I, I really do appreciate it. And if you need more, call me, okay? 
for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Check out episode 9 with Anne Hold Ward, the original costume designer. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.